0: Well, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. To all of our listeners in the United States, I welcome you once again. And to all of our listeners in every other country all around the world, we're still honored to have you. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic in Southern Virginia. We're coming to you on WGPL 1350 AM, WPCE 1400 AM. And on your FM dial, you can tune in at WBXB 100.1. You can also listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. That's every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to the broadcast. You can listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast in the Marriage and Family Clinic series, You can find the podcast simply by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. However you get your podcast, just search Bishop C.D. Hodges. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. And as always, Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down, gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair and grow and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Well, this is part two in the mini-series on repairing family relationships. I, I really, I still have no doubt whatsoever that this is going to be a critical topic for a whole lot of us. And it's going to do a whole lot of us a whole lot of good. A whole lot of good when we talk about repairing broken family relationships. Oh, don't cower in the corner now. Come on out in the public. Join the rest of us. You have a family relationship, one or more, that's in some trouble and could use some help. We we'll want to help you right there in this mini series. But just before I go into repairing family relationships, just before I get into that content, uh, I do want to mention that this is Christmas week. Christmas is just four days away now. And I've spoken to this subject a few times in the past, but I feel compelled to speak to this subject again. Uh, it never gets old. It never gets worn out. And that is the subject of taking care of yourself during the holidays. I want to encourage every one of us to take care of our mental well-being during the Christmas and the holiday season. Take care of your mental well-being. Take care of your emotional well-being. You know, this time of year, this season of the year, it's especially difficult for a whole lot of people. I'm speaking expressly about those who have lost loved ones during the last year or at some point in your life. The holiday season, Christmas especially, these days are extra difficult. They're just extra hard to deal with, to contend with. And for many, this is going to be the first Christmas without their loved ones. You're going to have to deal with the flood of memories, the flood of emotions of days gone by when your loved one was there. And and that loved one that played such an important, such a critical role in your holiday enjoyment, your holiday life, that loved one's not going to be here. And I know, I know you're going to go through. And I will never say I know how you feel. I'm not going to be that dumb. I will not be that callous, that insensitive. No one knows how you feel. That was your relationship. But I do know that you will get through it. That's what I do know. You will get through it. I do know that the loved one you are without would want you to continue to live. And let me tell you something. If you're without your loved one this Christmas, about the worst thing you can do is just sit at home by yourself and think about it. If you have friends and you have loved ones, you need to get out of there and be determined to live. Oh, that doesn't mean you're gonna be totally 100% healed. That doesn't mean you're gonna be totally 100% recovered. That simply means that you must be determined to live. And I'm guaranteeing you, that's the way your loved one would have wanted it. All right. And and there are those like our young men, our young military men and women, who they're going to be separated from their families and loved ones by thousands of miles due to military service. And although we have various means of reaching out to each other, video chatting, so forth and so on, it's still not the same as being there, touching them and laughing with them, your loved ones. So get together with somebody. Don't sit there. Military men and women, don't sit there in the barracks. Get out there and live. So to every one of you, I just want to say, please don't spend this time alone. It serves no good purpose whatsoever to spend this time alone. Just sitting there thinking about how disappointed you are, thinking about how hurt you are. Please get out and be with somebody. I still have my loved ones in my life, but I'm in Japan and my family is not here but you better believe I'm not gonna sit in the corner and soak or I'm going to do something to enjoy myself. And I'm not where you are, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing our circumstances. No, Lord knows I'm not. I'm just saying to you, I'm trying my best to stress the importance of you living. You must live, all right? And if you happen to feel down, if you happen to feel a little bit of depression, by all means, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Look me up on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Uh, Inbox me. I'll chat with you. But talk to somebody. And remember, you will get through it. You will get through it. Amen. All right. All right. Let me get into the content for this uh, uh, second part in this uh, multi-part mini-series on repairing family relationships. Raise your hand if you have a family relationship that can stand some repair, that can stand some help. Raise your hand if you have a family relationship, either one or more that is broken, severed, damaged, breached, whatever the case may be. Raise your hand if I'm talking to you already. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you in my imagination. I'm broadcasting here, but I see you in my imagination. And I want to talk to you. Last week, I dealt with the origin of family relationship breaches and strains. I dealt with the source of these severed family relationships. And I'm going to deal with that a little bit more. But when dealing with marriage and family, there are so many things that deserve being said over and over and over again. And here's one of them. You've heard me say it already a couple of times tonight. Stop thinking that you are the only one. Stop thinking that you are the only one. You're not the only one from a dysfunctional family. You're not the only one with strained family relationships or severed or breached family relationships. You're not the only one who hasn't spoken to a sibling in months or even years. You're not the only one. You're not the only one who's angry with a mother or a father. You're not the only one who's angry with a mother because she married a man that wasn't your father. You're not the only one who's angry with a mother and father who divorced when you were a young child. You are not the only one. And you got to face the music. We just got to face the music, especially if you're an adult. If you're an adult, by now, you have learned that relationships are difficult. They're difficult to handle. They're difficult to manage. And the stuff that we experience at a young age, the stuff that we experience in our childhood doesn't help the situation at all. We've got a lot to contend with, but I want you to know you are not the only one. Your next door neighbor has experienced some of the same thing. Some of the people that you look up to, some of the very people that you esteem very highly. If you ask them, they'll tell you, I've had some strained family relationships. My goodness. Abraham was one of our most revered characters in the Bible. We call him the father of faith. The father of faith. God spoke directly to him. God promised Abraham that he was going to form a nation out of him. Abraham loved God so much that he was getting ready to kill his own son. God worked a miracle so that Sabra, Abraham's wife, could have a baby when she was 90 years old. Now, you know, 90 is way past the age of having babies. There is so much that we always say about Abraham. Yet there's a lot we don't say about Abraham. One of the things that we don't talk about a lot about Abraham, one of the things we don't discuss much about Abraham is just how jacked up and dysfunctional his family was. (laughs) You didn't see that coming, did you? We don't talk about just how jacked up and dysfunctional Abraham's family was for multiple generations. Abraham could have written a book entitled Families in Dysfunction. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And I bring this up because I'm attempting to stress how common family dysfunction is. It's a common thing. And time won't allow me to discuss the specifics of Abraham's family dysfunction. But there are a couple of lessons we can learn from Abraham, his son and his grandson. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three pillars of our Christian faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are a couple of things we can learn from their family dysfunction. First of all, we can learn just how to set your family up for dysfunction, severed relationships, unmanageable hostility, and deadly conflict. We can learn how to set your family up for failure by looking at Abraham and his family. We can learn how to pass dysfunction on from generation to generation by looking at Abraham and his family. And if that's what you want to do, If you want to set your family up for dysfunction, if you want to have severed relationships in your family, unmanageable hostility in your family, deadly conflict between family members, if you want the dysfunction to be passed from generation to generation, here's the lesson we can take from Abraham. Just have babies outside your marriage and then try to mold them and meld them into the marriage. (laughs) Just have babies by another woman and then try to raise them like your own. And number two, the, way, the the other way you set your family up for failure and dysfunction, go ahead and play favorites among your children. Go ahead and play favorites among your children and see what happens. Those are two sure ways, two sure ways you can do damage to family relationships. Now there are less conspicuous ways of damaging family relationships also. As I said already, there are all sorts of family experiences that bring pain, bring disappointment, bring misunderstanding to us. None of us are immune to it. None of us are strangers to it. And most of this happens in our childhood. Most of the deep, the negative emotions we experience... Most of the deep, negative, seriously deep emotions that we experience that help form our personality and our dispositions and our attitudes happen to us in our childhood. And we're unable to process this stuff as children. And I wrap it all up in the stuff, all of the pain, the disappointment, the horror, the sorrow, the the, the abandonment, the mistreatment, the maltreatment, the abuse, everything. I, I just call it the stuff. We're unable to process the stuff as children. My God, how does a child process a parent dying? How is a daughter who deserves the love and the validation of her father, how is she supposed to process the sting of her father spending most of her time with his other family? That's a whole lot to ask of a child the child's inability to process it leads to damage and often broken relationships. I'll tell you something else about the source and the origin of our severed relationships also. Watch this. In January 2001, Jessica Gross wrote an article for the New York Times entitled, The Psychology Behind Sibling Rivalry. In the article, Gross referenced Uh, uh, study findings presented by Janine Vivona, a professor of psychology at the College of New Jersey who studied sibling rivalry. Vivona said, competition with siblings is just a fact of life. Now, you didn't need a, a professional study to discover that, did you? Sibling rivalry very well may be a fact of life. All of us experience it, However, that doesn't minimize, that does not minimize the devastating impact that it can have in the lives of family members, especially children. And for so many families, the impact of sibling rivalry is felt for decades upon decades, even upon decades. Hurt feelings, damaged emotions that you experienced when you were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. You're still experiencing the energy of those when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80. Oh, as my brother says, I wish I had some help up in here. As children grow in the family, children are competing with each other to define and to distinguish themselves. They're competing as they establish their identities and secure what they perceive to be their places In the family structure, and there is a family structure, there is a pecking order. You grow up thinking that the older child, the oldest child usually gets most of the privilege. Am I right about it? The youngest child usually receives most of the favor. If There's one girl among many boys, like was in my family, we believe that the daughter receives the treatment, the better treatment. If there's one boy among many girls, then we believe that that son receives the better treatment. All this goes on. And as we're growing as children in the family, we're competing to find out who we are and how we fit in the family structure. Children always compete for their parents' love, validation, and attention. Let me say that again. If you have more than one child, you know I'm telling the truth children always compete for their parents love validation and attention and moms you better watch out because your daughters are going to compete with you for your husband's love validation and attention (laughs) wish i had time to go there listen the truth of the matter is this right here children have a skewed skewed means cricket children have a skewed view Of how much love, validation and attention they deserve or that they need from their parents. Children always believe that they need more love and validation from their parents than they really do. And the more they see their parents give the other siblings, the more they believe they need. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. And not only do children have a skewed view of how much love, validation, and attention they deserve from the parents, but children also have this skewed view of justice, this skewed view of justice. Let me tell you what I mean. From my own observations, I've seen so many sibling quarrels revolving around the idea of fairness. She got more than me. That's unfair. He got more than me. That's unfair. She got two and I only got one. That's unfair. She got to stay up later than me. That's unfair. He's better in sports than I am. That's unfair. 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 This skewed sense of justice. Everything comes down to a matter of fairness and unfairness. Have you ever heard your child cry out, I've been treated unfairly? No. When things go according to the child's desires, that's just right. But when things don't go the way the child wants them to go or believes they should go, the world is so unfair. The whole world is out to get me. The whole world is against me. There is this sense of great injustice and the child feels wounded. (laughs) There's this great sense of injustice, this grave injustice, and the child feels wounded. So when the parents are dispensing love and validation and attention in degrees that meets one child's needs, it appears that that child is being favored by the other children. Oh, my, 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 my all of your children have dispositions different personalities different likes different dislikes different levels of toleration etc 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 they're all so very different and one is going to require more attention than the other One's going to require more hugging than the other. One's going to require more backstroking and back patting than the other. One, you're going to be able to let go and let them do their own thing because seems like they were born with no fear of adventure. And the last thing they want to do is to sit on your left and be cuddled. That is until they see their sibling sitting on your left and being cuddled. All right. So I want to make that plain. When the parents are dispensing love, validation, and attention in the degree that one child needs, then the other children, the other siblings, they interpret that as that child being favored. Hence the other child or the other children view themselves as being slighted. And that's just unfair. How many times have you heard that from your children? One child may need more time and attention than the other just to make it, but the child who doesn't need as much believes themselves to be slighted by the amount of tension that's going to the child in need. Children do not have the mental or the emotional intelligence. Listen, I'm trying to tell you, I'm still dealing with the root and the origin of our damaged, our severed, our breached family relationships. I'm trying to deal with the origin and the source of our broken family relationships. We got to deal with the source before we can get to the fix. And it all begins in childhood. Children do not have the mental or the emotional intelligence to understand that parents don't love one child more than the other. The parents are just meeting the needs of their children as they see fit. The the parents are just dispensing what they understand to be the level and degree of love, validation, and the attention that one child needs in comparison to his siblings. And it's the child's skewed views that causes them to misinterpret what's going on. The child's skewed views causes him or her to misinterpret the amount of love, validation, and attention the parents give to other siblings as this grave injustice done to them. You love him more than me. You take better care of him than me. And listen now, don't get me wrong now. I'm not saying that there's not real favoritism that goes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is some real favoritism that goes on. I told you, even our faithful family, our family of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's what got them in trouble, favoritism. So it definitely goes on. But I'm talking about right now how children with their skewed, with their skewed views, interpret love to one sibling as a grave injustice done to themselves and it turns into a great office, it turns into a great hurt, it turns into this deep hurt in too many of us, and then anger and resentment and bitterness set in, and it grows in us, and we don't get it tended to in childhood. And we grow up with that anger, that bitterness, that resentment, and it shows up in our adult relationships. It shows up in broken family relationships because the child grows into an adult who is convinced that somebody owes them for the childhood injustice. Oh, my, 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 my. That was good. The child grows into an adult who believes that somebody owes them for their great childhood injustice. And these examples may sound far-fetched to you, but you can believe that it happens more often than you realize. Most of the time, sibling rivalry is managed and it doesn't become all that war. But we just cannot be surprised when children grow into adults who harbor some degree of anger, bitterness, and resentment for their siblings, and even their mama and daddy, all because they were hurt as children and never resolved it. That unfinished business always shows up in our adult relationships. And even before adult, family issues can lead to tumultuous teen years. And I know it shows up in our adult relationships because sometimes whenever we get around to dealing with it, whenever we're confronted with a difficulty in our relationship, you may hear one sibling say, even in their years, even though they're 25, 30, 35, and 40 years old, you may still hear a sibling say, mom liked you better. Dad loved you more. You may even say it in jest. Oh, but you mean it. Oh, but you mean it. And I'm just going to repeat what I said last week. I'm just going to repeat what I said last week. If the hurt in one family member is not adequately and properly dealt with, it's going to find its way into the mind and into the heart of one or more other family members, and it's going to turn into dysfunction. That deep hurt, that skewed view of justice, that deep hurt can become a real soul wound in children. And even though they continue to grow into adulthood, they were never healed. And if you don't deal with it adequately and properly, it's going to turn into dysfunction. So don't forget this now. Don't forget this again. I'm just repeating right now what I said last week. Dysfunction is contagious. I wanna help motivate you to seek change and seek a fix. Dysfunction is contagious. The dysfunction in one family member will lead to another compounding the dysfunction, exacerbating the dysfunction. And here's an important notice for some of us. Dysfunction is so contagious until you can pass it from one generation to another, and even to another generation. The dysfunction contagion can stress a family beyond its ability to handle or to cope with it. Hence it ultimately destroys that family. I wanna wind this up by briefly going over what I described last week as the family dysfunction continuum. The family dysfunction continuum. The well-balanced family that's able to tend to their misunderstandings, their hurts, their faults, their insults, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff, that family is gonna live right dead smack dab center on the continuum. They're gonna live a life of balance. Now, the further a family goes to the left or to the right of center, the more severe the family dysfunction is and the more out of balance they're gonna become. And sometimes you roll between balance and unbalance, balance and imbalance. You float back and forth. And sometimes when you think you're balanced in your family relationships, it's only because certain things haven't cropped up, haven't crept up in a while. But as soon as they crep up, as soon as they come up again, you find yourself going back into imbalance. And when we fail to deal with stuff in our families, we are asking for imbalance. We're asking to move left and right of center, that place of balance when stuff festers for years, it's going to show up sooner or later. This is part of the reason we always fall out when a leading character in our family dies. Big mama dies, grandmama dies, granddaddy dies, daddy dies, mama dies. They were the glue that was holding us together. They were the cap on the volcano of our volatile family relationships. And when they die, all he double hockey sticks breaks loose so much business from our past mainly our childhood has not been dealt with the cap comes off when that family member dies and there we go and so i want to say to you today i want to say to you today why don't you be the one who declares the cycle ends here and now the cycle ends in my generation The cycle ends with me. This is it. I love the story of Joseph and his brothers. In the end, Joseph named one of his sons, God has caused me to forget. And he named another one of his sons, God has caused me to prosper anyhow. You need to take a good long look in the mirror and see where God has brought you from. Take a good long look in the mirror and see just how blessed you are how good God has been to you, how much God has forgiven you of, and then decide whether or not you want to stay in that anger, that bitterness, and that resentment. Now, next week, I'm going to get into the actual strategy for overcoming and repairing broken family relationships. So make sure you join us here. We're going to talk about some things, some ways to actually get this stuff fixed. Because I don't know about you, man, but you know there's just some relationships that I would like to see repaired, even in my family even in my family, I would like to see some relationships repaired. And I hope you do also. This is the place where we can help you make it happen. All right. Make sure you join in next week as we get into this strategy for repairing broken family relationships. Hey, look, I'm all out of time. I'm all out of time. You've been listening to Marriage and Family Clinic. Uh uh, uh Our mission is to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics to help you identify To help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Again, if you want to hear this or any other broadcast in the Marriage and Family Clinic uh, series, you can always listen to us, find the podcast, just search Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, iHeartRadio, search Bishop C.D. Hodges. You can find us out there. Listen, never forget, never ever forget, you can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. We got to get out of here. Hey, God bless you. We're out.